Welcome to this week's episode of Wild Wild What the Facts, the podcast where three friends talk about the crazy, hilarious, and wild things that have happened in history. I'm Lauren. I'm Jared. And I'm Alex. Hi, everyone. What is up, you three? Oh, you know, making throwing stuff and making noises that Alex has to edit out. All day or day. Yeah. That's yeah. how we do. That's my life. You got it. If I had an empty can, I would just chuck it in my place right now. Just That's for you, fair. Alex. <laughs> Let's make Alex's life hard. That's what I do. But yeah, we have a really cool topic today. Mm-hmm. It's about just really badass people in history. Yes. And actually, the inspiration from this came from our Tanks episode when I was mm-hmm. talking about uh, Warren G. Harding Creasy. <laughs> And his crazy exploits, which, by the way, I do want to do a like a full length episode on him at some point. But just mm-hmm. because we just talked about him, you know, we'll save that for the uh, the okay. BAs episode too. Um, I like it. But yeah, yeah. I actually did research. Well, so preface this: we lost audio yet again. Yay! If you want to hear a really great recording of me talking to myself and eating French fries, maybe we'll have to post that one day. But that is what one of our episodes turned into. It so. was very entertaining. <laughs> Sorry, Alex. I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna blame it on the gnomes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna blame it on Jared. It, I think that's a fair <laughs> assumption. So we said we were gonna do a couple episodes on Black History Month, and we lost one of them. I am going to do one of the stories that we talked about because she was also kind of a badass. So. Yeah, and I'll I'll revive my story at another time. It's yeah. it's highly depressing, and so it's probably better that we don't listen to it right now. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, um, I like it. Fair enough. I I had well, something to say, but it went away. So that's that's okay. Any any news? <laughs> any any fun it's... facts, Alex? Do you know of any one-off badasses off the top of your head that you would like yeah. to to throw out before oh. we get into it? Man, you put me on the spot. Yeah, that's okay. Um, not, no, no, I don't have anybody. I wish I did, but they're all they're all comic book characters that are coming to my head right now. <laughs> that that'll happen. That or, those aren't or, real or, people, or, probably. Or Star Wars characters. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, I like Alex right now. The light behind your head makes you look kind of like an angel. So. I'm kind of I'm enjoying it. Very angelic. It there. actually makes you look like you're in a JJ Abrams movie because there's screen flare going on. <laughs> so, or yeah, you just we passed out in a field and we woke up and the sun's. Yeah, you're us. just you're like, hey, Jared. Like that's what I would see. <laughs> you guys okay? Yeah. <laughs> After a, a bender. <laughs> After a bender. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so my guy, are you ready for this, or do you, or do we want to banter some more? I mean, we can. Oh, I'm ready for this. We can banter uh, more. I mean, I guess we don't have a lot of good feedback on what our banter, how it's received. So the banter, I mean, the story ratio. So what the, the factors, banter, please? The more we banter, the less my mom will listen to us. So maybe. <laughs> there you go. There you go. We we now she we love that. you, Mrs. Slater. Fair. Yeah. Love you, mom. Al- Alex and I want you to listen. Lauren is the, the lone wolf here. 
I just feel weird. It just cracked me up because she was like, I tried to listen to your podcast, but you guys just kept talking. So I turned it off. And I was like, Mom, I have bad news for you about podcasts. Um, <laughs> well, I, like you can fast forward to the good stuff. Yeah, you can skip. That's Skippers true. Technology. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We could provide little like note note marks of this is when this story starts and this one <laughs> when this story starts. You right. probably should do that. You know, if you just want to get to the good stuff. Are you enjoying not like has the snow melted in Colorado yet? Because you guys just got like a bunch of snow, didn't you? Yeah, it's pretty much gone. Uh, so yeah. that whole time, what there was a lot of snow over a foot, but it never got below thirty-five degrees. And so okay. once it stopped, everything immediately started melting. The it's biggest problem was my car immediately after because I had to use it. Mm. So I had to clean a mountain of snow off of my car, <laughs> and then I had to scoop a path behind my car so I can back up because the snow was higher than my car, and I drive an SUV. Oh, gosh. I mean, so. at least you don't drive your Mustang anymore. That's true, and I haven't driven that <laughs> thing in a, a very long time. Yeah. but the, That would have been a nightmare. Well, the Explorer I had would have been better in this than even what I have now. Yeah. But it is Trey what it and is. I went. Trey and I went to Colorado last week i don't know sometime yeah it was like it, it was last week I think. yeah and we left so it was like really nice it was like 50 something degrees the first two days and then the next day it got kind of cold and then we left on thursday and it snowed the next day and i was like thank god i didn't want to get stuck in this on this mountain <laughs> yeah that happened to me and kayla when we were in morgantown mm -hmm. a couple years ago west virginia we west went and virginia. saw a ku game out there and we we thought about staying the night, and thank God we didn't because we left and they had shut down all the highways and stuff. Like the border at Pennsylvania got shut oh, yeah. down that night because there was this like huge blizzard that came through. So we just like barely stayed ahead of that. Sheesh. Yeah, all my coworkers up in New Jersey got like three feet of snow. So yeah, and it, 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 it's still there. Yeah, it's yeah. still there. So there's that. So yeah, I mean, we had a blast in Colorado, except for we want, wanted to go hiking, but most of the roads were still closed for all of the like hikes in the mountains. So mm -hmm. it was fun though. Got to good. hang out on the mountain. Yeah, I'm glad y'all had a good time. You should have come down and hung out in the hot springs with us. That was a weird day. Yeah, I figured, and it wouldn't have worked out. So Jared yeah. and I were hoping to be real friends in Colorado, but it didn't happen. No. So we're just online friends still. <laughs> uh, anyway. Anyway. That wasn't well, that fun of banter, but hey, that's cool. Um, we have some really cool people to talk to. Yeah. And you're going first today. I'm going first today. And leave it to me to play kind of fast and loose with the rules, because when you think <laughs> of like a badass person, you think of like Rambo with you know, double fisting M60s and standing up on a hill and just defeating the entire whatever army he's fighting single-handedly. Yeah, my guy's not like that. But okay, uh, he his his it's it's more situational for this guy because he should not he he occupies a place in history where he should not have been, and I think that's really All cool. Right. And you're gonna understand it here in a second. Cool. So. Yeah, like I mentioned before, I wanted to do Warren H. Creasy before this, but since it was so fresh, I was like, ah, let's let's try something else. And then I got caught wind of this dude, which was really cool. And my story takes us to feudal Japan. All right. And so feudal Japan, folks, if you don't know, 
like I love American history. American history is my favorite history, not just because I'm American. I just think it's so unique and, and off. But you just say that in every episode. It's fine. Feudal Japanese history <laughs> is the most unique, wild, interesting, intricate, complicated history in the world. Like, it's so cool. And it literally plays out like these people are like movie characters. You could not write these people. That's how flawed, but how complex they were. So it's just really cool. Right. And um, and I, I'm I'm the farthest away from an expert on feudal Japan and pronouncing Japanese things. So apologies ahead of time. Uh, but yeah, that's where we're gonna find this guy. I'm excited. I love feudal Japan. Okay, so before we get into my character here, and yes, I am purposefully being vague about him. Okay. I need to talk about a guy who is possibly the most significant person in Japanese history, definitely one of them. It's a man by the name of Oda Nobunaga. Oda Nobunaga was a daimyo, which was a warlord back in feudal Japan, and he occupied a small region in like central Japan. And his dad died. He got control of the Oda clan. And he ended up being what is known as the first great unifier of Japan. So, you know, is a bunch of different daimyo and clans living in these different regions. And then he unified it all. Oda was born on June 23rd, 1534, which is actually really close to the last episode we just recorded. Yeah. In the Awari region of Japan. Oda was the first of, like I just said, uh, three great unifiers. The other two were actually retainers of his. Very cool history, by the way, again. Uh, one of them was Toy Toyotomi Hideyoshi. And then the last one was probably the most significant, y'all. If you heard of any of these guys, it's him. It's Tokugawa Ieyasu. Nope. It, okay. Nope, me either. Maybe, but not all okay. so. I mean, well, it's possible, but that name's not ringing any bells. Uh, I'm going to blame it on that you don't know how to speak Japanese. Well, no, I, I can say Tokugawa Ieyasu very well. Um, <laughs> oh, fair enough. And there was actually like a period in Japanese history named after Tokugawa. It's called the Tokugawa Show. That, so that word, that name sounds familiar, his last name or his yeah. second name. Tokugawa, yeah. Ieyasu is not as, yeah. as well known. Ieyasu doesn't doesn't follow for me. But anyway, uh, when Oda rose to power, the country, as I said, was split into regions of warlords known as Daimyo. Oda rose to, uh, his rise to ultimate power was actually brought by conflict with other Daimyo. So instead of just accepting his position, he was like, I want more. And how did he get more? He looked at that dude's land and decided to go take it. Uh, Fair enough. He was a very interesting Simple. dude in the sense of, you think of Japanese culture and you think of samurai whether you're right or wrong in this assumption as them being like super traditional you know they, this that and the other and, and everything has its place everything's very deliberate Oda was very different so he bucked a lot of traditions um, people saw him as unorthodox in a lot of stuff that he did he had a strong distaste for Buddhists which at that time in Japan was a very controversial and not normal kind of outlook on things. And that actually would end up being his undoing was his disdain for Buddhists. Uh, he was I very friendly. In that region. Right. And he it did. catches so, most of us at some point. He did <laughs> terrible, terrible, terrible things. And actually he ordered an execution of 
of a town of Buddhists or something like that. Huh. And one of the guys who was one of his retainers at the time was an old Buddhist monk. And he actually was responsible for the downfall of Oda Nobunaga. Oh. Um, so o- Oda Nobunaga ended up uh, committing seppuku. That's their that's Ooh. their ritualistic uh, suicide by cutting Not cutting their guts out, and it's because of that guy decided to overthrow him and stuff like that. What's the word for when your eyeballs, if you're the white of your eye is too big? There's I a, don't know. Jeff, I don't. Never mind. It sounds very similar to seppuku, but seppuku, yeah. It, yeah, it's different. Cause you there, there, there is a word for a spiritual kick to the head, like sakabuku or something like that. I like that word. Anyway. So yeah, not a very traditional dude. He was very friendly with Western outsiders, and that would play a huge role in his success because he really liked using uh, the firearms of the time in fighting. And he was actually one of the first Japanese warlords to use Western firearms. I think they were called Archibus, Archibai or something like that. The original rifle that Spaniards hmm. used were, yeah, something like that. But that's what he used. Archibai? Hmm? Sounds like octopi. Well, it was an Archibus, and I was just trying to make oh. it plural. I Got think it. it's... I'm thinking of the... I'm thinking of the blunderbuss. <laughs> well, no, and, and it, it was very primitive like that, too. Archibus. Where is the flute? Where is Archibus where is the flute? Gun. Jared, where is the flute? Where is it? It was an arquebus, so it's A-R-Q-U-E-B-U-S. Okay. Oh, What's the plural though? Probably probably <laughs> archibai. Because okay. it sounds like a Greek root and you would right. just apply just it to crap. it's fine. Yeah. Like, like syllabus. It's syllabi. Archibus. Got it. That's true. Arch- Arch- I just yeah. want an octopus to be an archer now. That's Archer pie. Dude, that would be the most terrifying thing ever. Right? They have eight bows. That'd be ter- that would be more terrifying than the moose bear. The legendary moose bear. Ooh, the moose bear. I was nervous I was gonna see a moose while because the hotel <laughs> was like in the mountain and like our room was like on the side of a cliff and we had deer that walked past our room all the time and I was like, Oh no, if there's a moose out here, I'm leaving. Like I'm done. I mean There was yeah. no moose. We were fine. I think they're. I think they're Mises. The Mises. Mises. There was no Mises. Mini, mini, yes. mini much, Mises. mini much moosin. Um, yeah, so go. anyway, enter, enter my dude. My dude was okay. a guy named Yasuke. Okay, Yasuke so your dude was like not it. the one that hated Buddhists. No, he worked okay, for the guy that it. hated Buddhists. And it, honestly, okay. honestly, this situation I don't think would have been able to happen had it not been for Oda Nobunaga and how non-traditional and how strange he was as a Japanese ruler. Got it. Yeah. Yasuke was a retainer who served under Noda. Oda. I just mixed up his last name and first name. <laughs> and what was very special about him was he was not Japanese. He arrived in Japan in 1579 with an Italian missionary named Alessandro uh, uh, Villag- Villag- ah, that's hard to say. Villagnano. Yeah, that's not how you say it. Aren't anyway. you the one who's been to Italy and can speak Italian and whatnot? It doesn't fit normal Italian uh-huh, sure. grammar pronunciation. Yep. Sure. Yep, I, I pronounced Alessandro just fine. Thank you very much. Did you, though? Uh, I don't have any Italian so, listeners, but if we ever get one, I'm going to ask him. 
Villignano. There you go. Villignano. Please write in if you're Italian. <laughs> you try to say an N immediately after a G and see how easy it is. Do, don't even try to... Villignano. There you go. Villignano. Villignano. Okay, good job. You know what? Alice... If we have an Italian listener who wants to send in a voice clip of your pronunciation of this, I will add it to the recording. Alessandro Villignano. There you go. Who was a missionary who had <laughs> missionaries in India... And when you had missionaries in India, that also included Africa and the Middle East and all that stuff when you were a missionary at the time. But so, Africa is pretty far from India. I know, but you also have to think of European thinking, and they probably just saw it as all the brown people and then just put oh, it in yeah. that block. So, um, Anyone with mel- melanin in their skin. And techni- technically, it, wasn't, it was the Indies is what he was in charge of. Got it. Of. Got it. As you can imagine, not a whole lot is known about Yasuke early on. It was said that he was from Mozambique because he was associated with Portuguese people at some point. And Mozambique, I think, was occupied or colonized by Portuguese people at the time. So that's how he got there. Uh, what are you? What are you doing? <laughs> Trying to eat a strawberry, not in the mic. Oh, okay. And then Alex was making faces at me. Sorry, folks. So we we see each other on video, and I'm talking, and Lauren's like playing peekaboo with the strawberry, and it was very confusing. Like I didn't know if so, she saw a killer behind me or like what's going on. Peek- peekaboo with the strawberry sounds like <laughs> that sounds like something we shouldn't be talking about in Nick's so, company. I, I don't know deal. what it is, but. My mic sometimes picks up when I swallow, like if I take a drink and it kind of weirds me out and I can like see it. So I was trying to not make Alex have to edit out me eating a strawberry in the middle of your story. And I was trying not to not be distracting and I failed, okay? Instead, you were very distracting. Peekaboo with the the strawberry sounds like a burlesque show. (laughs) Yes. All right, Jared, take us back to Japan. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) Everyone, I apologize. All right. So, again, not a whole lot is known about Yusuke early on. They thought he was from Mozambique, thought he was associated with Portugal. May or may not be true. So, the man who had wrote that theory, he wrote it years later after the fact. So, again, it may or may not be true. Okay. There's a lot of those uh, late after the fact stories told. And again, going back to Portugal, I've said Portugal way too many times in the past minute, but the theory is based on the fact that many of the Africans that would end up showing up in Japan came from Mozambique via the slave trade. Okay. There were more theories about his origin. One of them included him being part of the Yao people of Mozambique, and the Yao folks actually populated an inland part of Mozambique. And around this time is when they had their first run-ins with outsiders. And kind of to go along with this particular theory is they figured they use Yao as a first name and with the surname Suke. So you get Yasuke. Okay. And then there was also a theory regarding him being from Ethiopia, which descriptions of him doesn't that doesn't make sense when you think of the Ethiopian ethnicity, I forget what it's called. And then there's also some theories that he was from Sudan. And the latter was believed because he was very, very tall, mm-hmm. and he was very, very dark. Okay. And Sudanese people, I guess, are known for being super tall and super dark. Interesting. So, what is known about Yasuke? 
Yasuke and Villignano arrived in the capital, Tokyo. What was it called at the time? Hokkaido. Hokkaido. Was it Hokkaido? Not a, we didn't do this research. You did. Yeah. <laughs> of March of 1581. And he obviously drew a lot of attention walking around the capital of Japan, being a six foot two tall African. That makes sense. Yeah. So when he was first brought before Oda. <laughs> it, w- it was Ido, by the way. Ido. Ido. Thank you. Thank you. When he was first brought before Oda, Oda believed his skin was painted with black ink. So he immediately asked him to strip off all his clothes and scrub down just to, to see what That's would happen. That's how you want to introduce yourself. Right. He's like, let me see all of it. And this exact event was actually documented firsthand by a Jesuit miss- missionary. Oh, gosh. Yeah. When Oda realized that Yusuke's skin was actually that color, he took a very, 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 very deep interest in him. And this is the description of that day. So on the 23rd of the second month, a black page came from the Christian countries. The man was healthy and in good demeanor, and Nobunaga praised Yasuke's strength. Nobunaga's nephew gave him a sum of money at their first meeting. So they were just fascinated by him. They They were were throwing, like, take my money. You were cool. Like, yeah. So they were just fascinated, which is very interesting. Was Um, he naked when they they threw the money at him? Probably. (laughs) I mean, you don't don't see something like that and don't respond. Especially if stereotypes are real. That, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so Tall, after this... black guy? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he, he just massive feet. So after yeah. this meeting... Hands. Yus- big hands. <laughs> big hands. So Yosuke <laughs> left with the missionaries, and they kind of did another tour, met with some more local ro- warlords, but they ended up getting back to the capital at some point. It's unclear when or how or why. And then somehow he ended up in the service of Oda once they got back. And again, they're not sure exactly how it happened, but he ended up being a part of the party. Okay. He was likely able to speak Japanese because there's many documents saying that Oda really enjoyed talking to him. And there's very little evidence that Oda could speak anything else besides Japanese. Maybe he just liked talking at him. And that could have been the case too, but it really, it really seemed. And the idea that I got from it was he just enjoyed talking to him. Like if you've ever seen The Last Samurai with with Tom Cruise and and uh, I forget the guy's name, but I love the actor. Uh, they would just sit, they would just sit and talk though, and and there was a point at what no matter how you feel about that that movie, he just says you know I always enjoyed our conversations, and I just thought about that dynamic with Yasuke and Oda as I read. Just getting different perspectives and, and learning about where he's been. So what was interesting, too, about Yasuke was he was the only non-Japanese retainer that Oda ever had. Everyone else was Japanese. Oh, wow. And again, there were other Africans that showed up in Japan. None of them ever had this particular situation, which is why I think this guy is so cool. According to the prototype of Shinchu Ki which is the archives of the Meta clan. It said the black, man, uh, the black man named Yasuke was given his own residence and a short ceremonial katana by Nobunaga. Nobunaga cool. also assigned him the duty of a weapon bearer. So he was given position and title through this because 
I, I guess they just admired him so much or had so much fascination they liked for him. him. Yeah. And, yeah, that's cool. and again, Oda being someone who's so non-traditional Japanese and as a ruler, I don't think anybody else would have done this. Maybe they would have brought him on. Maybe he would have been a servant of some sort, even mm-hmm. whether he enjoyed him or not. But I don't think anybody else would have lifted him, lifted him up to a higher station like this. Yeah. Or he would have been like a minstrel or something. Exactly. Some sort of mm-hmm. servant, service yeah. kind of thing. And what's cool, too, is... So again, not a lot is documented about Yasuke, but there's artwork of samurai fighting, and one of them is noticeably darker than the other one. And there's, you know, there's theories that these were actually paintings of this man, which is really cool. Too. That's cool. Again, this is significant. Uh, Japan super isolated, super closed off. Didn't got a, get, didn't get a lot of outside attention, and then an outsider being accepted and, and brought in like this, let alone a black outsider, which is really cool. So Yasuke also may have played a role in the events that led to the downfall of the Takeda clan. So the Takeda clan was a rival faction that was super powerful, and I'm pretty sure they were the first folks that Oda went after in order to expand. But he was definitely 100% present after the downfall of of the Takeda clan when Oda took his armies to inspect the new territory. He was definitely there, which is really cool. And then on the way back, and this this really made me geek out. So on the way back, history puts him in front of Tokugawa Ieyasu. And again, Ieyasu is, out of all three of these guys, is the most significant dude. And then there was a guy named Matsudira Ietada, which was Ieyasu's retainer, and he described this meeting with Yasuke. And he said six foot two inches, or 188 centimeters, which was how tall Yasuke was allegedly. He was black, and his skin was like charcoal, which is what he said. He's real black, then. Like What's up? He was really dark, then. Yeah, like super dark. But you also have to, like, if you've never seen somebody who is more tan than you, that's probably anybody looks really dark. And if he was 6'2", like, that's kind of tall, but, like, how tall were they? I mean, that was tall for back then, yeah, too. You got to think about true. Average size. Right. Two. So, I kind of alluded to this before. Oda ended up being betrayed by one of his retainers who was a ronin, who was also a very devout Buddhist, who was forced to either witness or execute a bunch of Buddhists. And he witnessed... uh, So, Oda, another thing that he did to alienate Buddhists was once he took over the capital, there was this really renowned Buddhist uh, temple just north of the capital, and he ended up just raising that and killing everybody and burning it to the ground, which left a lot of bad taste in people's mouth, as you can imagine. Yeah, that's kind of messed up. So he ended up being betrayed by this retainer. He actually had a pretty decent defense, but eventually he was forced to retreat from that battle, and then he went to a back room and then killed himself. The guy that actually tried to take it over, ruled for a very short time. But the second retainer that I mentioned, I think it was Toyotomi Hideyoshi, he ended up coming back from the front and then taking over uh, the throne, which that was highly controversial. Maybe I'll talk about him sometime because he was actually a peasant to begin with. Hmm. And Oda made him rise up. So he went literally from being a peasant 
to ruling the country, which is another. It sounds cool like story. he's got a little bit of a pattern of of raising people to uh, higher states. Well, and and, and, yeah. and taking on Ronan even as as retainers because that was something that people yeah. didn't do because they didn't feel like they were trusted. Yeah. Do you know the the era that this occurred in was the era after the Meiji era? Is that I think the Meiji era ha- happened after this. Right, like immediate, like pretty close to after this. I think so because the Meiji era fled into. No, 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 no. Meiji era happened way after this. The 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 Meiji era happened in like I think mid eighteen hundreds. And people, please correct me if I'm wrong at that, because a lot of the 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 turmoil and and weirdness in Japan happened after we Americans went there and forced our way in. Yeah, and then that's when they kind of accepted us to an extent but at the same time they were very mad at us and for about 30 years that was bubbling up until you know world war ii happened so so i think a big reason why i i recognize the tokugawa era Mm -hmm. is because of an anime called raroni kenshin yeah and that was right in that period between like when they were shifting from samurai led you know, walking and carrying swords on the street was okay mm-hmm. to that's not allowed anymore. We're going to an imperial rule. The, yeah, and that's, that that's the Meiji restoration right there is when, when samurai yeah. samurai went from being the high station to being, they were still the high station, but they were still looked down upon and merchants were actually the higher class because they were making more money, even though technically they weren't. And a fun story about that is Mitsubishi that family, I think, was they were merchants, but they ended up buying a samurai surname, and so that oh. company has samurai roots just because they purchased it. So that you had really rich merchants that would buy the surname from poor samurai in order to have the the station with the money. That's interesting. I didn't know that. The Meiji era, so he was emperor in Japan from 1867 until 1912 when he died in Tokyo. Um, So, yeah. I don't know what year you were talking about, but from 1867. Yeah, mine's in the 1500s, so it's way before. Oh, a little bit. Just a little. Yeah. But no, Toku, Toku, like, that stuff would not have happened without Oda, without Toyotomi, without Tokugawa. Japan today, like modern Japan, started from Tokugawa Ieyasu, which wouldn't yeah, so have existed. Tokugawa exi- who- was 1603 to 1867. Okay, yeah. So he had, I think he had the longest era, like bearing his name in Japan, mm-hmm. and it was the most stable, I think. And I'm pretty sure he's what's blamed for the death of the samurai, because I think that's when everything was mostly peaceful, and samurai started losing their identity, was because okay. of that. It looks like that was also known as the Edo period. Yeah. There you go. Again, folks, I took a class on samurai in college, which was a long time ago. So if I missaid any of that, or if you know better than me, please, please, please correct me so we can get the right information out because I don't want to give people false histories. And I have not really studied anything about Japan, so I just Google things. It's so interesting. I love feudal Japan, uh, well, Japanese history in general, but feudal Japan, uh, I can't speak right now. Feudal Japan is, is a really cool time period. So, there's a little bit more to this. So, okay. immediately after Nobunaga's death, Yasuke went to join Nobunaga's heir, 
And there's a lot of weird stuff to the throne and who got it and how they got it and who was the rightful heir. But Nobutada was Oda's son, and he never became the heir, but Yasuke went to him because he felt most loyal to him, and eventually he was captured. Yasuke. And because they didn't quite know what to do with him, he was presented to Akechi, who was a warlord that was kind of, I guess, responsible for capturing him. And he ended up giving him back to the Christian church in Kyoto. And after that, not much is known about what happened to Yasuke. So I'm assumed he probably got sold back into slavery and stuff like that. But I just, this fascinated me because I just, I love things that don't belong. And yeah, and a guy from the other side of the planet who probably looked like an alien to these people and the fact that he was accepted into to their society and played an integral part in one of the biggest periods in Japanese culture is so, so cool. Yeah, so, that's pretty cool. Yasuke. And there, there's actually a, um, there's an anime coming out on Netflix this year based on Yasuke. And I didn't know this until I started oh, really? researching it. And the guy that played, um, what's his name, uh, in Judas and the Black Messiah, not Daniel, what's his name, but the other guy, he's voicing Yasuke, which is really cool. That is pretty cool. Okay. And I'm, I'm excited That's to see cool. that. And then for more Japanese learning, uh, or I guess feudal Japanese learning, there is also a documentary on Netflix about the samurai right now. And it's very cinematic, but it's very, uh, it's very thoughtful and it's fun and entertaining and stuff. I would definitely highly recommend watching that. And it pretty much goes from Oda through Tokugawa and you get all that drama that happened as well. So do you, do you know what that one's called? Uh, I can look it up real fast. Okay. Cause that'd be kind of cool. I think yeah. I would, you would, Alex, would you would, you out. would definitely enjoy it. And I actually thought of you as I was watching it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan of that time period. I'm, I'm a huge fan of Japanese culture. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I even modern Japanese culture is really interesting to it's, me, and I tend to really like historic stuff more. It's just called Age of Samurai Battle for Japan. Okay, I might have seen that. And one. it's it came out this year. It's a 2021, I'm pretty sure, and it's 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 very fascinating. I flew through it very quickly. Okay, cool. I'll check it out. But yeah, folks, that's yesterday. And so should our listeners. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like a super interesting dude. I just wish people like that, even though I realize because of situations, I just I just wish they weren't lost to history like this. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of relevant to the times because yeah, Asian racism is at its all-time high right now. And maybe not all-time, but it's pretty high right now. I'm sure World War II was a little bit worse. But um, that's kind of in, like I was actually going to mention to you guys that I think that we should try to elevate Asian voices and tell stories about really cool Asian people. I thought yeah. maybe that'd be kind of cool to target. So that's really, that'd be a lot of fun. That. I'd really enjoy yeah. that. Uh, and, and you know, you mentioning that I'm glad I was able to yeah. talk about two highly marginalized minority groups. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. So I actually originally when we had the topic of like badass humans, I wanted to find like a really cool, Asian history story, especially 
an Asian woman because of what's happening right now. Um, if people who don't know, there was a, especially people not in the U.S. I don't know if you've been paying attention to our horrible things that have happened in the U.S. Again, we had a terrorist white male, again, decide that he was angry and he was racist and he went to a bunch of spas and shot and killed several Asian women and targeted them on purpose and then tried to blame it on sex addiction. Temptation. Yeah. And since COVID happened, especially in the United States, there's been a lot more hate acts that have been, and crimes, hate, hate crimes, let's call them what they are. They're hate crimes happening towards Asian people and especially older Asian people and women who are more vulnerable, which is awful. And to be um, fair, I mean, there's a decent amount of non-white people being in Asian folks as well. Yes, exactly. But yes, it's which usually, is partially probably in response to systemic other things, which we yes. don't want to get into. But mm-hmm. regardless, yeah, Asian folks are having a really bad time in our country right now, which is mm-hmm. ridiculous. But it's due to highly charged rhetoric. Yes. And we all know who started that rhetoric. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's, we need, just like we did when, like a lot of, po- we didn't do this because we weren't a podcast yet, but a lot of podcasts were trying to elevate black voices and that kind of things after the George Floyd situation and all of that. Um, maybe it, like it's time for us to start elevating Asian voices as well. If we're going to fight for equality, let's fight for equality for everybody. And right. it's super Absolutely. important. So. I, that's really cool. I wanted to do an Asian story. Mine is not Asian, unfortunately. But because I wanted to, I didn't have a ton of time. And then mm-hmm. I kind of went down a rabbit hole. But I wanted to make sure I was able to elevate appropriately. So, right. yeah, that's partly why the story I'm doing is kind of a repeat of what we did before. But it's yeah, also targeting okay. marginalized people. So, yeah, that's, we'll have Usually we talk about that, like, what are we doing next week when we're done? But guess next time we're going to be talking about Asian people, which is great. So that's awesome. I'm excited. So with that being said, let's switch gears a little bit. My story today is about a badass lady and her name is Cathay Williams. And I know Jared has heard this part of the story a little bit. So this is mostly for Alex. You ready, Alex? Oh, I'm ready. Okay. I'm excited. So, Cathay Williams was born September 1844 in Independence, Missouri. Her exact date of birth That's is... That's nearby. Yeah, it is nearby. It's, um, it's not super known, her exact date of birth, because she was black and born to a slave mother, so they didn't really keep super great records. And her father was a free man, but like I said, her mother was a slave, so that technically made her a slave as well. And when she was young, she was a house slave for the Johnson Plantation outside of Jefferson City, Missouri. And in 1861, which was pretty early in the Civil War, Union soldiers took over Jefferson City. They came in, took it over. And at that time, the laws said that if you took over a city during war, all of their property of that city would become contraband. And therefore, it became property of the overtaking army. And that included slaves because they were considered property, sadly. So 
Even though the Union Army was supposedly wanting to stop slavery, that didn't stop them from using it in their advantage. So they took the contraband to serve as military in the military. And they like some of them became soldiers, but if they were women, they usually became cooks or laundresses or nurses. So Cathay, quote unquote, served in the Union Army as contraband as a washerwoman and a cook. So, uh, that's a weird statement to have to try to untangle. And yes. So right. many, so many issues with it. Yes. And, and, and folks, just so you know, uh, the, it's very sloppy how the civil war is taught. We did not mm-hmm. go into that conflict to end slavery. Slavery yeah. in the emancipation proclamation was a military tactic. And if you read yeah. the actual phrasing, of said Emancipation Proclamation, it said slaves in dissenting territories are free. So the states that did not secede, like West Virginia and Kentucky, I think, those slaves were still slaves of the Union. And it wasn't until the amendment was passed that yeah, yeah. freed all slaves. And all just slaves because they were, they were against slavery doesn't mean they were for equality. Exactly. Like A. a Blinken. He, he was a very yeah. racist man. All of Pretty much everyone. Very racist (laughs) man. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, that's kind of the story there. She was, quote unquote, serving in the Union Army. Um, During this time, she traveled all over the country under General Philip Sheridan, and she saw battle all over the place. She went to Pea Ridge, the Red River Campaign, and... So Pea Ridge was just outside of Fayette, Arkansas, where Confederate armies moved from moved south from Missouri into Arkansas, trying to, like, take back Missouri. And in one of the Who would want to do that? (laughs) Right. In one of the battles, it was actually one of the few battles that the Confederate soldiers outnumbered the Union soldiers, and they still lost. And they lost control of almost all of Missouri and all of northern Arkansas. Oh, wow. I was going to say, their good troops must have been out east, because typically the... the, Confederates were way better trained than the Union people. Yeah, they did not do well here. Red River was like a Union campaign of battles along the Red River in Louisiana. So they were hoping to turn the war in the Union favor during this campaign. And it was pretty much a failure. They lost most of the battles. Some of them were won. But it actually extended the war for several months. And it wasn't necessary and it didn't accomplish the goals that they had laid out for it so she saw those two campaigns during that time that she was enlisted and then she was taken to washington personally by sheridan to serve as a cook and a laundress there and she may have witnessed the shenandoah raids in virginia and which if I actually didn't write down what the Shenandoah raids were, but they were pretty a big deal in Virginia <laughs> during the Civil War. Shenandoah and she, Valley. Yep. And she also traveled with the Army to Iowa, St. Louis, New Orleans, Louisiana, Savannah, all, all over the place, and was possibly present for the final Grand Review in D.C. on May 24th, 1865, which, if you don't know what that is, that was like the party that the Union soldiers gave themselves in D.C. before the war was even over. They were just like, we're done. We won. And, like, did parades and gave... Nothing like premature celebrations, right? (laughs) 
gave each other like accolades and things like that. So she was there for that as well. Um, War is one of those things, though. Like once you know, you know. Yeah. Like once you kind of hit that stride, it's just like, yeah, this is gonna happen. Yeah. It, the Civil War mm. was long and bloody and awful. So. That's very true. It also could have been a way to bring the Union spirits up to. That's true. Yeah. Uh, but after the war was over, she was technically free to do whatever she wanted, in quotes, because she was a freed slave. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> um, there weren't a lot of jobs or places to go when you were a single woman who was black in the United States. Mm-hmm. especially in the southern states. Mm-hmm. So Ooh, yeah. in 1866, Congress passed the Army Organization Act, which allowed African Americans to join the Army. And that would give them more financial freedom and health care and all those great things that the Army gives people and that usually people are entitled to, but unless you were a slave and poor. So she wanted to join the military. This act also created what is later to be referred as the Buffalo Soldiers, which were an all-black 9th and 10th Cavalry Regiment of the Army. And they were sent west to, this is also problematic, uh, control the unruly savages in the west. So the Native American... Yeah. um, They had a Native American Uh. problem for the settlers. Whenever you have a something problem, yeah. the problem's with you. Yeah. Um, which is problematic in a different way, of course, than slavery. Mm-hmm. But yeah. they yeah. one theory for how the Buffalo soldiers got their name was because they had dark, curly hair that resembled the buffalo. And so it said that the Native Americans actually gave them that name. That is so cool. Uh, yeah. Because you know that's in reverence. Like, if it was white people being like, oh, they're Buffalo soldiers, people like, ah, but Native Americans, like, that's so cool. Yeah, because they were relating it to nature. And then they also. And something respectable and something. Yeah. yeah, The soldiers fought so valiantly and fiercely that the Native Americans, like, revered them as the mighty Buffalo. So together they, like, they looked, they had, they looked, quote unquote, like a Buffalo because of their hair. And then they also fought like a mighty Buffalo. So that's how they got their name. And that stuck, and so it was that formed the 24th and 25th Infantry, which became the Buffalo Soldiers. We'll come back to that. Uh, so Cathay wanted to join the Army because she wanted all the financial freedom and all that good stuff, but technically women, women could not join the Army as soldiers. They could only be cooks or laundresses or nurses, and she didn't want to do that. That's what she did when she was a slave. She, although she would be technically paid for it, she was like, no, I want to be a soldier. Right. So what do you do something a little bit different now. So what do you think she did? I'm not going to say. Alex, what Mm -hmm. do you think she did? What would a lady do who wants to fight? (laughs) I was going to say, did she uh, dress up as a man and try to go in under the guise of being a man? Yep, she pretended to be a man and enlisted in the army as William Cathay. Clever, she switched her name I around. like it. Uh, and okay. in the 38th U.S. Infantry, Company A in St. Louis, Missouri. So she enlisted, she went to St. Louis. Um, at that time, they only had like a 
cursory medical examination. And so they just like quickly looked over to make sure she was fit for duty. So that's how they didn't find out she was a woman because they didn't give her a full physical. You, you know what that physical was, right? Like she walked in there and the doctor was just like, all right, Mr. Cathay, you're not a woman, are you? <laughs> She's like, no. He's like, uh, you're good. Of course not. <laughs> you have all your arms, all your legs. We're good. Yeah. You don't have consumption, right? Okay. We're good. Like We're good. <laughs> you can pull a trigger. Yep. Yep. So she told her recruiting officer that she was a 22-year-old cook. And in her paperwork, it was described that she was 5'9", with black eyes, black hair, and a black complexion. And that's all they put about her. What? Um, she eventually wrote <laughs> memoirs about herself. So okay. in these memoirs, she wrote, The regiment I joined wore a Zouave uniform, and only two persons, a cousin and a particular friend, members of that regiment, knew that I was a woman, but they never blowed on me. That They were partly the cause of me joining the army. Another reason was I wanted to make my own living and not be dependent of relations or friends. Admirable. So she was a strong, independent woman who didn't need no man. I was going to say, that's... Sounds like that's it. dope. Good for her. So on February 13th, 1867, she was sent Williams, or Cathay, whichever one you want to call her, um, was sent to Bill. Jefferson. I'm going to call her Bill. Oh, old Bill um, was sent to the Jefferson Barracks Bill. in Missouri. And then a few months later, which was like April, they marched to Fort Riley, Kansas. And then by June, they were on the march again. <laughs> hey, Fort Riley is not in that city. Jared just gave me a thumbs down about Fort Riley. Fort Riley's an hour away from his alma mater. So, eh, maybe about two hours. I just have feelings about people in that county. Fair enough. Because they have, they have feelings about me. Fair. Anyway, so by June, they were on the march again. They went to Fort Hawk Harker, Kansas. And the next month, they went to Fort Union, Missouri. Or not Missouri. New Mexico. I don't know why Missouri came out. And that was more than 500 miles away. During this... Jeez, they got, they're moving. Yeah, they were marching all over the place. During the march to New Mexico, she developed smallpox and was hospitalized. And she was waiting for her unit and for them to meet up somewhere. September 7th, they moved to Fort Cummings, New Mexico. And that's where she kind of met them again. I don't know how she... So she got... Yeah. <laughs> well, I think you're about to get to... Yeah. <laughs> she got smallpox and was medicated, like treated, mm -hmm. and no one found out she was a woman mm -hmm. at that time? These are some observant doctors. Good job, doctors. <laughs> yes. She was stationed in New Mexico after she got out of the hospital for smallpox for eight months. Still nobody found out. She And they were, quote-unquote, protecting the miners and traveling immigrants from the Apache attacks. Um, while she was there, there was a brief mutiny that broke out where a camp follower was expelled for stealing some money. And several charges were brought up, and but Williams was like, fine, still part mm -hmm. of it. And then there, possibly due to smallpox, marching 500 miles, the heat, other years of marching for when she was quote-unquote unlisted, and slavery, she, her body began to, began to break down pretty much. Mm -hmm. And she was frequently hospitalized. And then finally they were like, oh, wait, she's a woman. 
finally a doctor pretty much a surgeon she had to get surgery and they were like oh wait a second um (laughs) in her this isn't supposed to be there wait (laughs) reminds me of the pirates of the caribbean quote like you're not a eunuch are you yeah (laughs) (laughs) william did you know you were a woman yeah In her memoir, she put, she said, the post-surgeon found out I was a woman and I got my discharge. All the men wanted to get rid of me after they found out I was a woman. Some of them acted real bad to me. And so they informed her post-commander, but she was honorably discharged. Oh, wow. So that's pretty cool. It could have been a lot worse. But on October 14th, 1868, she was honorably, honorably discharged. The captain stated that William had been under his command since Williams had been under his command since May 20th, 1867. And this is going to come back to bite her in the butt later. So foreshadowing this in the discharge, it said Williams has been since feeble, both physically and mentally. And much of the time was quite unfit for duty. The origin of his infirmities is unknown to me. And the surgeon stated that Cathay was of feeble habit was continually on sick report without benefit and was unable to do military duty. This condition dates prior to enlistment. So they didn't out her as a female on her discharge paperwork, but they pretty much said that she was never fit to serve. They, they just pretty much called her an incompetent dude. Yeah. Uh, her, Sheesh. Yeah. Her discharge meant that she wasn't in the Army anymore. She had to end her tenure with the Army. But that she was still wanting to fight. And so when the war ended, she signed up to be part of the Buffalo Soldiers. And because they wanted to, quote unquote, control those savages, they took what they could get for the most part. So she went to work as a cook at Fort Union, New Mexico, and then later moved to Pueblo, Colorado. And (laughs) this is actually funny. Everything I wrote, I read said she got married It ended badly after her husband stole her money and a team of horses. (laughs) Okay. William had him arrested and then moved to Trinidad, Colorado, where she worked as a seamstress. It said nothing else of her husband, how long she was married. It's kind of a gloss over there. Yeah, she stole all her money and left, and she got him arrested. (laughs) And it was during that time when she was in working as a seamstress that her story kind of became public. A reporter from St. Louis heard rumors of a female... African-American who had served in the army and was like, I need to interview her immediately. And her life in military service became published in the St. Louis daily times, January 2nd, 1876 around 1889 ish or 1890 Williams entered a local hospital and applied for disability for her military service. She was like, Hey, I fought in the war, all this stuff. Give me money pretty much like help me survive And Mm -hmm. there was a precedent for granting pension to female soldiers. There had been a couple, mostly there were white women who had disguised themselves as men during the Revolutionary War, and they were given pension and disability and stuff. But she was, but Williams was denied. The doctor examined Williams in 1893 and said that she suffered from neuralgia, deafness, and diabetes, had all of her toes amputated and was walking on a crutch. But she still did not qualify for disability payments 
because in that certificate of discharge that indicated that she was feeble and was never fit to serve. Mm. And since her service in the army was not technically legal, she not only wasn't qualified for disability, but she couldn't get a pension. Wow. So messed up. Yeah. Even though she... She served. ...marched 500 miles, she was not able to get her pension. She died shortly after her disability was denied. The exact date is unknown. It was probably around 1893, around short, like, they, she, disability got denied in September. Um, the cause of death is unknown as well, but probably her diabetes and everything like that. She was not a lot on the going on. yeah. She was not on the census in 1900, so they know it was sometimes sometime between 93 and 1900. Gotcha. Her grave would have been a simple wooden cross and probably unmarked because she was very poor and black. Mm-hmm. So nobody knows where her grave is. Whatever marker would have deteriorated pretty quickly, and so. That's so irritating. Yeah. Probably somewhere in Colorado, but nobody really knows. Yeah. And though over 400, possibly up to 1,000 women served in the Civil War posing as males, Williams was the first African-American woman to enlist and the only documented woman to serve in the United States Army while disguised as a man during the Indian Wars. Well, she was also that they the know only of. known... Yeah, that they know of. Obviously, their doctors weren't the sharpest. Yeah. They didn't have to get surgery. So. (laughs) William. They just barely caught her. Right, right. How many times has she gone to the doctor? She also was the only known female Buffalo soldier. And her determination to serve her country demonstrates like extraordinary feats of women. And she was like, I'm going to live my life exactly how I want to. You're not going to tell me. I mean, she was a slave for how long? People were already telling her how to live her life. She was over. Yeah. In 2016, a bronze bust of Cathay Williams featuring information about her and that kind of stuff and a small rose garden was unveiled outside of Leavenworth, Kansas. Cool. And in 2018, they built a monument, a monument bench at the Walk of Honor in the National Infantry Museum for her. Very cool. And that is my story. Pretty awesome. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And they That's, have... They, like, <laughs> stuff like that getting lost just bothers me. Yeah. And I and I realize the situations, and I know the practicality of, of history like that being preserved. I, I get it, but it's still, it's just... It, it's not fair. I realize that's a stupid statement, but it's just not fair. And we are robbed as people in the future mm-hmm. by not getting these stories. Yeah. I think especially people of color are robbed of their history a lot. And it's very, very, especially in the United States. I mean, in any Western yeah. country, but it, yeah. And I mean, but like, it, and that's the thing is I hate the whole concept of like, there's mm-hmm. American history and there's black history. Like that's American history. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as an American, regardless of your skin tone, that's a cool story to be a part of your history. Yeah. Why wouldn't you want that, you know? And so, like, yeah, it's just, it's, it's frustrating. And you would me. think that this would be a story that you'd want taught in schools, especially to kind of 
to like little girls, man. Yeah, encourage girls or Say, like to tell yeah. girls they can do whatever they want. And but my no, favorite we haven't word always done the best with women. be brave. <laughs> like go out there and and. and do something like if, yeah. if your convictions say do this then go do it yeah obviously not I mean, not if it's this, like a, a, a felony don't don't yeah. do that but <laughs> no. oh yes don't do those things. yeah don't do those things but i mean this is pretty reminiscent of a disney story mm -hmm. a story disney did mulan mm -hmm. why not do i mean they'll never do a disney movie like this but why not do a disney movie like this oh my yeah. gosh this would be perfect i mean like this seems like a good film that coogler would take on yeah. Well, of course, he hasn't done anything historical, but he does a lot of good black stories, and I think that that would probably be... I mean, it'd be a war war film, which would be really mm -hmm. cool. A lot of the... Oh, yeah, that'd be that cool. That'd I be a really awesome... Kind of would relate her to Mulan a lot, or like, say, the yeah. the actual Mulan, because Mulan wasn't the story of Mulan that Disney wasn't yeah. exactly what happened, but... Right. I just, that's what I was thinking the whole time mm -hmm. when you first started talking about it. I'm like, huh, this sounds reminiscent she's, she's of She's the Mulan. real Mulan. Yeah. Unfortunately, I mean, I guess she pretty much was kind of forced to join the army because she didn't really have much of another choice to survive, but she chose to go back in. Yeah. Yeah. But on her terms, which is really cool. And she chose to fight as mm -hmm. opposed to doing the, right. the other jobs, right. Yeah. right? At a time when like her voice meant absolutely nothing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which was really cool, too. Racism and the patriarchy were working against her, so right, yeah. right, very cool. Yeah, that's my story. I think she's pretty awesome. I and think so too. Yeah. Well, those are some fun stories. I liked both of those. Yeah, they were both fun. We'll definitely have to, like, like we said earlier, target some cool, more cool Asian stories and that kind of stuff. I think. I think we do a pretty good job of finding a good mm -hmm. mix of stuff, though, regardless yeah. of themes and whatnot. But yeah, yeah. But I I'm like excited to, to do it just because my history that I know of is more Western mm -hmm. history, and being yeah. able to learn. Well, e even if it's like an American person with Asian descent learning, that's cool too. But like, um, no, I, I like hearing about gaps in my knowledge. So yeah, um, so it'll it'll be fun to do that. I agree. Maybe one day well, we'll make Alex do research and he can do a story. I've done my research. And, and, and we, <laughs> we, done, we sit there. I've done enough research in my life. We sit there I had and to listen. Write, <laughs> I had to write like a 100-page um, a paper on research. I think I've, I've earned to buy my time a little yeah. bit. Bide my time a little. Yeah. Dr. No. Alex. Fair, fair enough. Fair. Fair enough. Well... Folks, thank you very much for listening, Lauren. Yeah. Where can the good people find us? All right. If you have some cool stories you want to share or you just want to tell us some things, you can email us at wildwildwhattf at gmail.com. If you want to see some pictures of the people that we talked about, if what we can find and that kind of thing, you can go on Instagram at wildwildwhattfpodcast. And if you want to talk to us in 150 characters or less, you can tweet at us at wildwildwhattf at Twitter. Thanks, everyone. See you later. See ya. Later.
You like New York. You need New York. You know you need unique New York. Check. Toast. Hello. Okay.